Well, good morning, everyone. I am uh, glad that you guys are here and that you've made it this morning. Everybody hear that okay? Okay. Um, so, today we finish up our series on how to grow. And so, it's the final class, and uh, I've been encouraged by you guys just being here and being a part of it. Um, and over the past 10 weeks, uh, we have explored uh, disciplines that we should cultivate in our life so that we would grow in our godliness. So, uh, but we have to know the end, what, right? And we, even at the beginning of the class, as we started in the first few weeks, uh, we looked at what is, what is the end result. And is, the end result is that we want to be like Christ, Romans 8, 29. Uh, Romans 8, verse 29, it says, For those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And so, uh, God's eternal plan is that we would be conformed to the image of his Son. So, godliness is the goal, right? We want uh, to grow in our godliness. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, uh, it says that we are to train ourselves. For godliness. It's in the back of my mind as the Olympics have been going on, right? We see a lot of people that have trained, they excel in their sport, and they have put the hours in, they have worked hard, they have trained. And so we are to uh, train ourselves for godliness. And for those who've been redeemed by Christ, um, we desire to grow in, in godliness. And this is because God has given us a new heart and that we seek to obey him and live for his glory. So um, this is the challenge for us. So how do we persevere in that as Christians? How do we persevere in our personal uh, spiritual disciplines in the face of life's many demands? Even as Christian and I were just talking a, a few minutes ago is we all lead very busy lives and for each season of life that I come into, I always think, oh, it's not going to be as busy, or it'll get better. But what happens? Typically, things get busier. You know, something changes, and we think, oh, I just can't wait till this is over, till life's not that busy. But it is busy. We all, uh, whether we're married, or we're single, or we're working, taking care of the home, or whatever we're doing, our lives are filled with many activities, our schedules often feel as if they're just like bursting at the seams. Like we just can't possibly fit one more thing in. And we arrive on Sunday just to only be confronted with a number of spiritual disciplines that we ought to be cultivating. And we're just thinking, man, when am I going to do that? When can I fit that in? Uh, and it can very be very daunting. Um, even discouraging for us to, to come and be a part of maybe an ABF or Sunday morning and just think, oh, man, there's no way I can possibly do all of the things that they're asking me to do. Um, it can even make uh, our Christian lives kind of seem like a laundry list of things that we have to do uh, rather than a joy to grow in. So we can be tempted to feel as though we, have, we need to practice these disciplines uh, in order to make a certain you know, standard or performance or 
whatever that may be in our Christian life, but our Christian life is not about performance. Um, so how do we tell whether we've adopted um, such a, like a performance-based approach to the Christian life or, um, you know, one tell, telltale sign is that our joy and our assurance uh, it, it is dependent on how well we practice the spiritual disciplines or is it, is it in the finished work of Christ? And I think that's an important question. So does it describe you? Are you resting in your spiritual disciplines or are you resting in the finished work of Christ? Well, take heart because we are all prone to this. We, we all ha- are, can be busy. We all can feel like we're just checking off a list. Um, we often forget the basic truth that we have been saved through uh, saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So praise God that he does not accept us based on the things that we do, right? We are saved through grace, through faith in Christ alone. So we have been reconciled to God and have be, already become his children through Christ. So this is, this is good news, right? The spiritual disciplines are not meant to be to be a bondage or a shackle for us. It's crucial, therefore, that we realize that Christ has purchased our freedom by his death on the cross. And because he has freed us from the bondage of sin, we are not to work or to earn our salvation through works. But rather, in Galatians 5.1, it says, For we are free, we, for freedom in Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to the yoke of slavery again. Instead of regarding the spiritual disciplines of, as burdensome or, um, you know, seeing them as a chore, my prayer is that we would see them that this is a means of grace. This is uh, God's kindness to us, that he has given us spiritual disciplines for our spiritual good, and for his glory, that we would grow in them. So we do not practice spiritual disciplines in order to earn merit. No, we practice them out of a love and out of a gratitude for what God has done through Christ. So as, a, as sometimes I'll say to my kids when they want to, when we're telling them about church the next day, they say, do we have to go to church and I said, no, we get to go to church. Kind of the same idea is that, no, we don't, we're not forced. It's out of a love for God, out of love for Christ and what he has done in our life, that we, we do spiritual disciplines. We exercise them so that we would grow in our godliness. And at the same time, it's helpful for us to consider how a godly person is usually also a very busy person, right? We're all busy. Uh, the godly person is devoted to God and to people and leads a full life. Um, consider some examples even in Scripture. You know, we see Jesus um, as we read Mark's Gospel, and we can notice how it, the word immediately describes transi- transitions all the time. And so uh, from, from one event to the next, we see uh, that it says, immediately Jesus went to, or on the next day, 
after dark, he gets up and he, what does he do? He, he prays after a long night. Or with Paul, we see another example of, of being, as speaking to that of which being poured out as a drink offering. Uh, or being spent for the sake of others. So if we were to compare his life to the so-called balanced life envisioned by well, many Christians today, well, we'd consider maybe even unhealthy. But, uh, you know, Don Whitney, he says, Scripture confirms what observations uh, perceive that laziness will never lead to godliness. And so... How do we persevere in the, in the midst of a busy week, in the midst of a busy life, is a, in the midst of busyness? How do we persevere in the spiritual disciplines? How do we grow in them? Well, um, you know, we must do it, and we must not be tempted to give up. Um, we must never stop running this race. We even have examples, uh, negative examples of folks that did stop running that race in Scripture. We see Demas as uh, Paul. He was a co-laborer with Paul who uh, fell in love with the world. And he fell away from Christ. When, he, when Paul was writing his letter to the Colossians, we see that he writes that Demas was with him. But then by this time of 2 Timothy, he says, Demas has abandoned me and he's actually run to the world. Or we see another example of Alexandria or Hymenaeus who shipwrecked their faith and walked away. They did not hold the faith. They did not persevere. So perseverance is all throughout Scripture. We see it even mentioned in different ways. We see the, the term hold fast um, as Moses, as he's lead, leading the Israelites. In Deuteronomy 13 or 1 Corinthians uh, 15, we see Paul he says, stand firm. Ephesians 6, verse 13. We see the, in Philippians, we see Paul telling us to, to strive. We see in Hebrews to endure. We see uh, Paul using the language to run with endurance. So if God had thought it, okay, I need to put this in the, in the word. And I need to inspire the, the writers to to write about standing firm, to endure, to strive to work out their salvation, we should take notice of that. And we should uh, be encouraged and persevere. So how do we persevere in spiritual disciplines? Well, with the remainder of our time, I want to look at the role of the Holy Spirit in perseverance. I want to look at the role of fellowship uh, specifically the role of Christian fellowship uh, in perseverance and the role of struggle in helping us persevere. So those are kind of going to be our three main uh, points as we look through this idea of persevering uh, in our faith and in spiritual disciplines. So the role of the Holy Spirit. Well, we must remind ourselves that Despite of our diligent attention uh, to discerning ourselves for the purpose, uh, excuse me, to discipling or to disciplining ourselves, there we go, for the purpose of godliness, we cannot make ourselves more like Jesus by our own strength. This is not something that we can will our, on our on our life. Um, 
This is not something that we can do on our own. Uh, I love the example that we have from an author. His name is Jerry Bridges uh, in the book uh, Disciplines of Grace. And uh, I want you to imagine with me for a second that we are in a jet passenger plane, 30,000 feet up in the air. And all of a sudden we hear the, the uh, pilot come over, the speaker, and he's, you know, he says, this is, this is the pilot, you know, this is the captain speaking. He said, well, we got a choice to make, um, and we're kind of in real trouble. We have to lose one of the wings. They're about to fall off. So which one would you rather lose, the right or the left? Well, we would all say, no, none of them. We want to keep both of them. We need both of them to stay in the air. We need both of them to, to fly. They are absolutely necessary. Well, just as the airplane needs two wings to remain in the air, so we as Christians must exercise discipline and dependence in the pursuit of holiness. So it is impossible for the Christian to successfully per- pursue holiness without either one. Just like it is impossible for an airplane to remain in the air without one of its wings. We must have it. So we must exercise both discipline and dependence in the pursuit of holiness. So it is impossible for a Christian to successfully pursue holiness with only one. We must have both. So what's the point of this illustration? Well, we are not to carry the responsibility on our own, by our own strength or by our own willpower. We must depend on the Holy Spirit. And while that, we, while we depend on him, we at the same time must not assume that we don't have any responsibility. So there is a balance between both, that we must depend on him And we also must do our own work. So what happens if we only discipline ourselves? Well, this may be a major temptation uh, for those who are very self-disciplined. You know, as we approach holiness, we we rely on maybe a regiment um, to exercise our spiritual disciplines. And we put a list together and we execute on it and we just stay. And what does it do? It becomes that of legalism and not that of grace. This can lead to pride in our own hearts. Um, But not only that, think about this for a second. For those who are even the most regimented, uh, what inevitably inevitably happens to the person that has the strictest diet, that is well regimented and and very disciplined in their diet? What do do they get on occasion? A cheat day, right? They get a treat. They get a treat. Or what happens to the person, even the most, uh, most well-disciplined athlete? What happens? On occasion, they get a what? A day off or a rest day or they sleep in. Well, brothers and sisters, the good news is that the Holy Spirit, he never takes a cheat day. He never takes a day off. He is always uh, working in us, so we must depend on Him. So if we uh, are to discipline ourselves, 
but also to depend on him. What happens if we um, only, only depend on him and say we don't discipline ourselves for, in the spiritual disciplines? Well, this is what I like to call the Jesus take the wheel approach, where we just say, okay, God, you're going to have to do this on your own. We, we do not see that in Scripture. Um, this, is, this leads to laziness. And in Scripture, we see this balance of personal responsibility and dependence on the Lord. So Timothy was responsible for his uh, progress in godliness. He was to trust the Lord for that progress, but he wasn't to just trust the Lord and just relax and not do anything, though he certainly understood that he was to make progress. He just doesn't pray, okay, God, I just need you to just pour some godliness all over my life and then hope for the best. No, we see this personal responsibility you're to discipline yourself for godliness while depending on the Holy Spirit to work that out and to give you the strength to do it. So all of us who have trusted in Christ for our salvation have received the Holy Spirit and he dwells in us and he is actually the author of holiness in our life. So whenever the Holy Spirit dwells, he creates in us a hunger for holiness. And it is his office, the Holy Spirit's office, to magnify Christ in our life. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says this, in him, you also, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we Acquire the possession of it and praise be to the, the glory of God. So the Holy Spirit is the deposit given to us by God to assure that he will complete the work that he began. That he will complete the work that he began. So the Holy Spirit leads us in our sanctification as we read this in Romans 8. Uh, verses 13, for you live according to the flesh, you will die according. But if you live by the Spirit, uh, but if you, but excuse me, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. And from these two verses, we know that God's children are led by the Holy Spirit. And it's His work in our life. So this truth should encourage us that sanctification and perseverance in the spiritual disciplines require hard work on our part. But we do not labor alone. The Spirit is at work in us, and He leads us, and He gives us strength. Uh, the Spirit enables us to press on in obedience. So it is the Holy Spirit that produces both in us the desire as well as the ability to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. We see this again in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Therefore, what we are unable to accomplish in our weakness, in our flesh, we are able to, do, to, to accomplish through Christ, through 
the work of the Holy Spirit who supernaturally empowers us to live for Him. So hopefully, you've seen this in your own life, in areas where you, maybe you once struggled, the Holy Spirit has worked in you as you have disciplined yourself for godliness and you look back on maybe the beginning years of your relationship with Christ and things you may have struggled with that now you think, oh man, God has grown me so much in whatever that may be. And we can give praise to God for that. So if we have trusted Christ, we know that we are also predestined for glory. In Romans 8, 29 and 30, he said, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So this means that there will come a time when we shall be completely and perfectly uh, conformed to Christ. And the Holy Spirit enables us to persevere. That God who began a good work in our lives is faithful. and He will work it through to the end until Christ returns. So we should be encouraged. We should be encouraged. God has not left us on our own, but he has given us the spirit, uh, his spirit. And we have, if we have repented of our sin and believe in the gospel, so we can be strong in the Lord. So we desire to grow in the disciplines We desire to continue to pray for the work of the Spirit in our lives. Zechariah 4.6 says, Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord, not by my might, not by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So we can continue, we we can persevere in spiritual disciplines, and in our faith because of the work of the Spirit in our life. It is Him that we depend on through uh, His Holy Spirit that we can grow in that way. So we depend on the Spirit. The second thing we do is we the role of the Christian fellowship, just in terms of persevering, as we think, okay, what does it look like for us to persevere in spiritual disciplines and persevere in our faith, well, Christian fellowship plays a role in our perseverance in the practice of uh, spiritual disciplines. So to grow in spiritual disciplines and spiritual maturity involves having deep, meaningful relationship with other Christians. We do not have siloed Christians. We should not have... um, Christians who are isolated, uh, God in his kindness and for our good has placed, given us the church and has placed us in community. And so as believers, um, this means for us that we have a place to grow and grow with others. And And I love hearing stories even of folks that have done life together in community for a long period of time, and can look back and see how God has grown them together. I love in, in 1 John 3, it says that, which we have seen, which we have heard, we proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things that our joy may be complete. So some spiritual disciplines 
such as one we'll, we'll do today is, is uh, corporate worship. Uh, we cannot do that on our own. It's literally impossible. Or maybe united prayer or serving. Those cannot be practiced without being in fellowship together with other believers. So furthermore, the, the one of God's purposes of fellowship is to supplement spiritual disciplines and to stimulate growth through godliness through them. So we should not pursue spiritual disciplines in a way that causes us to neglect them, but that we should live with other Christians. And we are to pursue spiritual disciplines in the context of fellowship together. This is not something that we can ever do on our own. That said, fellowship is not just socializing, um, although socializing is both, you know, part of fellowship. Um, it is possible to socialize without having fellowship. So we get together, we spend time with other believers. Uh, if we don't talk about things except for just our, you know, day at work, that would maybe just socializing, but rather Fellowshipping involves the sharing of our spiritual lives with another. Not just our earthly lives, uh, but sharing our spiritual lives. J.I. Packer defines fellowship this way. He says, a seeking to share, um, that fellowship as a seeking to share in what God has made known of himself to others as a means of finding strength, finding refreshment, and instruction for one's own soul. So does, does, that, does that define your fellowship? As you spend time with other Christians, would, would that define your time together? You know, an example might be after the service today, you go out for lunch with some folks from church. Are you spending time just talking about your week at work or your busy schedule or are you talking about what is God teaching you? Are, you? are you discussing what you learned in the sermon or how you were strengthened or encouraged? Or is your time just spent talking about your favorite sports team or what happened in the Olympics or things like that? So I want to encourage you to be intentional. See, the mutual encouragement we enjoy from Christian fellowship can and should help us advance in holiness, not just in our portfolio or our sports team's rating. It should help us advance in holiness. As we meet with other believers one-on-one -on -one or in small groups or for corporate worship, we are exhorting one another to grow in godliness. We are asking good questions. Hey, tell me what God is teaching you right now. What are you learning how have you grown this week in godliness? And other Christians, we need that as well. We can be encouraged by their response as we, we hear their testimony of what God is doing in their life. So I need you and you need me. It's the beauty of fellowship as we share our lives together. Proverbs 27, uh, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. So we sharpen each other, and God uses his church to do that. 
and the fellowship that we experience in this body. So as God's people, we all have a duty to meet together regularly for the purpose of encouraging one another to persevere in our Christian walk. This is one of the reasons that we do life groups here at UBC, is that throughout the week that we would get together, that we would be very intentional about our time together, looking into the Word and encouraging each other to persevere and sharpening one another. Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting, neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as the day draws near. So God intends such mutual edification to take place in the context of Christian fellowship. So we have, a, a delib- uh, we have to be deliberate in our efforts to encourage one another. This just doesn't happen on accident. When we spend time together, we have to be intentional. One of the uh, biblical images of the church is this, uh, the, that of the body. Uh, and with each believer representing a different part of that body. And we see that in Ephesians 4. Um, each one of us has a role to play in contributing to the proper work of the local church. And as the body grows, each individual should be built up as well. So as we practice spiritual disciplines, as we strengthen the fellowship of the believer uh, and the believers in this church, well, biblical fellowship in turn will strengthen the practice of spiritual disciplines that should build upon one another. So without true fellowship, even the Christian who is, who is practicing spiritual disciplines well will not develop in a fully balanced way. So we need the body. We need each other. Hebrews 3 says this way. It says, take care, brothers. Uh, this is in verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you in evil, an unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But what? Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, we have come to share in Christ if we did indeed we hold to our original confidence firm to the end. So what is it in verse 12 it says take care. Verse 13 we see another imperative to exhort one another. And why do we why do we take care? Why do we exhort? We do this because we have come to share in Christ if we hold to this original confidence to the end persevering to the end shows that we have been saved or that our faith was genuine. So when we are outside of the spiritual protection that God intends for his body, um, it is as it's easier to be deceived by sin. And it says that um, there, that we may not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we even need each other to point out sin in our own lives. So are you living out he, uh, this example of Hebrews 3? Are you encouraging the brother and sister to take care? Are you exhorting your brother and sister in the faith? And we should do this because what's the, what's the result if we, we do not? Well, 
in some cases, in extreme cases, if they don't hold, fa- hold fast to that faith that they have given, that Christ has given them, and then they perish. So the Puritan, Thomas Watton stated that um, associated with sanctified persons, they may be their counsel, their prayers, and their holy examples. Be a means to make you holy. So we should examine our life. Uh, examine our involvement with other believers. So what are, what are maybe some other ways that we can encourage one another in the spiritual disciplines as we do life together in community? Do you guys have any examples that you are living out right now that come to mind? Being the, the first one to take that first step, which is usually the scariest step, um, to take that to break the ice and to open that into a spiritual conversation. That's good. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a way of the conversation. I just think it's like over lunch or something about certain church having coffee uh, with us. Um, yeah, it's super easy to just kind of get into this, like, especially if you're really good friends, like this really fun, easy conversation about challenges. Uh, but yeah, as you uh, start pushing that button of confession, it's, it's really good. So I found that that helps in a really spiritual direction. Yeah. A confession and transparency that will quickly break the ice when you put yourself out in that way um, and you know whether it's sharing struggle or uh, ways that God is teaching you you're you're making yourself vulnerable uh, and it's cool to see how people will respond to that especially other believers you can uh, see that automatically take a relationship uh, and a friendship to the next level. That's good. Dan. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Prayer is, you know, even sharing, you know, vulnerability. Prayer is that. Um, sharing uh, things that are going on in our life, but then taking uh, that opportunity to not just say, I will pray for you, but to stop what you're doing uh, and actually pray. Um, I, I love that. Well, those are some fantastic ways that we can help each other persevere. Uh, and I love that you guys are thinking and, and doing those as you practice spiritual discipline. And, and we'll encourage our brothers as we pray with and for um, just for perseverance in our, in our faith, how that can be a tool. So the, the Lord uses um, that in our life as we think about the role of Christian fellowship um, in perseverance. But now, as we look at the third um, thing, I want to just think through for a second, how the Lord uses struggle in our lives and the role of struggle in our lives to help us persevere. Um, so a third means, the role of struggle to persevere in spirit, spiritual disciplines. This is probably the one that seems the most strange. And if we're being honest, this is the one that we would probably say we would rather not. Right? Who, who wants to struggle? But looking back, as we looked at times of struggle in our life, what do we usually say? Like, oh, God grew me so much in that season of struggle. So going into struggle, we think, oh, like, Lord, please no, right? But then looking back, we can always, uh, at least most of the time, well, I'd say always, say, like, God grew me in that time of struggle, so how does struggle help us in discipline? Well, as you think about your walk with Christ, we can all think about struggles we face, right? And I think these kind of come out in some different ways. We have external struggles, you know, persevering through life's trials and through persecution. You know, I would probably say life trials would be something more common, applies to every person, um, no one is exempt from life trials. Um, this can range from health issues to relationship pain to financial hardship to loss of loved ones. Um, many of us have experienced uh, just uh, many different sorts of trials that we've walked through and have come out the other side and grown because of them. But then there's also perseverance through persecution. Well, this is because of our faith in Christ. This is not something that we invited, but this is persecution. Um, nor did we do anything necessarily to do this except for follow Christ. Um, Matthew 28, Jesus knew that his disciples would face trials and persecution. In the midst of these trials, he, we must endure. But we also have, so we have external struggle but we also have internal struggle. And what is that? That is the perseverance through sin, that we would fight against sin. John Owen famously said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. So we struggle, we fight against sin. Every person fights this battle. 
Every person fights that battle. So perseverance is the proof of the salvation that when, the, when we face it is true, when we have assurance we are saved, when we persevere through life's hardest moments with our faith intact. So we have assurance when we are saved, when we persevere through life's hardest moments with our faith intact. So we must recognize that there is a necessity of an element of struggle in the Christian life. There will always be some sort of struggle. As those who belong to Christ, we find ourselves at odds with our sinful nature and with a sinful world. James 1 and 2 says, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, so you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Man, consider it pure joy. I typically don't consider it joy going through struggles. But it produces in us. Testing of our faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So we don't rejoice for the sake of trials themselves. Rather, we rejoice because the result it produces in our lives. So the testing of our faith, it develops perseverance, and perseverance develops character. Um, And some of the most solid men of the faith that I know have had some of the hardest struggles in their lives. So we don't develop character in a vacuum. We do this uh, and we persevere and we become mature in our faith as we come out the other side of those trials. Psalm 144.1 says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hand for war and my fingers for battle. The idea of practicing spiritual disciplines and progressing in godliness will be accompanied with struggle. First Timothy 4 says, after exhorting us to train ourselves, after Paul exhorts us to train ourselves for godliness, Paul in verse 10 says, we must toil and strive to this end. So this is, is hard work. The words toil and, and strive or labor and strive says that, uh, and tells us that becoming uh, more like Christ is not merely letting go and letting God, but Paul, his theology is such that he suggests that we are, are to uh, not be passive individuals, but be actively pers- pursuing godliness through those. We get our English word agonize from the term rendered here as strive. It says, in a strong word to, to use, the sense is for the sake of godliness, that we agonize, that we labor, we are weary, we are spent. Paul says he was poured out. Nothing in these verses suggests this pursuit of godliness will be easy. It is a hard road. So in, in this no way diminishes the, the role of the Spirit in our sanctification There's a balance involved in progress in the Christian life uh, that comes through the work of the Holy Spirit, not by our work alone, as we've already talked about, dependence 
and our responsibility along with that. It comes by responding and cooperating with the grace of the Holy Spirit as it initiates and sustains us. So this is kind of summarized by Colossians 1, 28 and 29. It says, Him we proclaim, warning... Um, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, I struggle with all the energy that he powerfully works in me. So we need to grasp this balance of our effort and the Spirit's work in our life. So if we are to correctly understand the biblical way of growing in godliness... This keeps us from swinging to either extreme. So if we attempt to rely on too much on our own strength or sit back and just expect the Holy Spirit to do everything, we will not make much progress in our sanctification. We have to have that balance. So as we are in this life, our sinful flesh, the world, the devil, will consistently wage war against us. We face enemies both within and without Right? Galatians 5 speaks to this war in the flesh. It says, For the desire of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for the opposite to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So there are days when our greatest joy is to spend in God's word, and there are times when we enjoy just sweet prayer, that we yearn for more uninterrupted communion with God, yet there will always be dry times, seasons in our life that we battle to engage in spiritual disciplines. But even though disciplining ourselves is sometimes difficult and involves struggle, self-discipline is not punishment. Even though we may think that at times, that discipline is punishment, right? We think the same thing as if we're, we're on a diet, that discipline is punishment. I don't get to enjoy these foods that I want to. Yet, it is an attempt to do what we actually desire in our hearts when prompted by the Spirit. Remember, the Spirit at work in us creates a desire. So this desire prompted by the Spirit as those who have, who have believed in Christ, God has given us new hearts that delight in doing His will. So, lest we be overwhelmed by all the talk and conflict of struggle, Jesus has already won the victory for us. He has struggled and He has conquered. So, He reigns victorious over Satan and sin and death. Uh, and we are more than conquerors through Christ. Romans 7, 24 says, Wretched man that I am, whom, who will deliver me from the body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So do not be, be discouraged by the struggle that we, uh, that we have, but persevere in spiritual disciplines. In 1 John 3, 2, it says, Beloved, we are God's children, and what we, what we have, excuse me, 
Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Right? That is the goal of spiritual disciplines, that we would grow in our godliness, that ultimately that we would be like him. So moving towards godliness. Well, Jonathan Edwards said, God, I pray that you would stamp eternity on my eyeballs. I love that. That you would stamp eternity on my eyeballs. Imagine how differently we would spend our time that we would make choices in life, that we would practice spiritual disciplines if we had eternity stamped on our eyeballs, with, always with that in view. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while, the bod- for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It would, that it holds a promise for the present life and the life to come. To see spiritual disciplines only from a temp- temporary perspective is short-sighted. Since the weight of uh, the eternity is heavy, we must have that stamped on our eyeballs that we would see why, why do we practice, why do we practice spiritual disciplines? Why do we do it? Over the past 10 weeks, we have made it plain that the, that the path to godliness includes um, spiritual disciplines. There are no shortcuts to the Christian life. The sinful flesh, we, we, what do we do? We seek a life of ease, of comfort, but the Holy Spirit leads us down a narrow road, a rugged road to eternal life. So will we be diligent in cultivating the spiritual disciplines? Will we do that together? Will we depend on the Spirit uh, to produce that in us? Will we uh, persevere through the struggle Galatians 6.9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap uh, if we do not give up. So brothers and sisters, continue in spiritual disciplines for the purpose of godliness, for God's glory. Would you guys pray with me as we wrap up? Heavenly Father, we take comfort that he who began a good work in us will carry it to completion to the day of Christ. That we rest in the finished work of Christ. God, help us not to be lazy, but to be diligent disciples who train ourselves for godliness, for your glory. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.